Merry Christmas to all of you. I'm Pastor Mark, senior pastor here at Chapel Hill, and we're so glad to welcome you to the celebration of the birth of our Savior. I see people who have come from thousands of miles, children of the church, to be back home with their church family and their flesh family. I see others who are here who aren't quite so far away, and yet you are here tonight. So whether you're here every night, every, every week, whether you're here just occasionally, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. And our hope is that you are going to have an encounter with the living Christ. This isn't just a story from long, long ago. This is a story of a living king, a living savior. And that's what we are here to celebrate tonight. How many of you have seen that great theological epic, The Force Awakens? Star, Star Wars. Eight of you? Are you kidding me? I, I can't believe it. It is crushing all box office records in spite of the fact that most of you aren't trying to help with those uh, sales. We have a young man in our church, Trenton Tamaris. Um, if you were here for our children's program last Sunday, you would have seen Trenton. He was the sheriff uh, in the children's play. Anyhow, Trenton is a great big Star Wars fan. Trenton also has some significant health issues in his history. Uh, from, his, from, a, from childhood, actually from infancy, he's had seven different surgeries, including three open-heart surgeries. And so he qualified for a Make-A-Wish Foundation gift. And guess what Trenton's wish was? He wished to go to Hollywood for the world premiere of Star Wars. So here's a picture of Trenton with his dad. And it's pretty cool if you're a Star Wars fan, right? How could it get any cooler than that? How about this? How about selfies with the stars? Here's Trenton with the budding Jedi Knight, Ray. And here's Trenton with the conscience-stricken stormtrooper, Finn. Here's Trenton with a very grisly Luke Skywalker. Luke's seen better days. <laughs> yeah. I hope, the, uh, I hope the empire doesn't depend on him. And finally, for the piece de resistance, here is Trenton with Han Solo. <laughs> How cool is that? You know, all you got to do is look in the smile on that kid's face and say, guess what I'm doing? I'm standing right here with Han Solo. I am standing with Luke Skywalker. I got a selfie with this beautiful babe of a starlet. That's a pretty cool story. How many of you have ever had your picture taken with a celebrity? Anybody? Okay, more of you than apparently have gone to Star Wars. It was pretty exciting, wasn't it? This person is standing next to you that you normally only see on TV or on the big screen, but there he is, there she is, right next to you in the flesh, validating your insignificant personhood by being there with you. Well, when you... When you understand what is really going on on that first Bethlehem night, you realize that the first Christmas was, it was really the greatest celebrity sighting of all time. But most of the people at the time didn't know who had come to them. And most of the people today still don't know who came. Thousands of Folks are going to attend our services tonight, and we are thrilled to welcome them. And, and some of them will show up who aren't normally a part of our worshiping community, and yet somehow they are drawn to be here. Maybe that describes you. And you don't even know exactly why it is that you feel like you've got to go to church on Christmas Eve. But here you are. Maybe it's 
Maybe it's family tradition. Maybe it's lighting the candles. Maybe it's hearing the beautiful choir sing. Maybe it's singing Silent Night. Maybe it's the outrageously good-looking senior pastor. (laughs) But you're just drawn back. But of course, the, the centerpiece of Christmas Eve... The centerpiece of this story is the baby. It is Jesus. We just sang what I think is one of the most beautiful of all the Christmas carols. Uh, What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? And that really is the question for the night, isn't it? What child is this? What child do you think this is? Who do you think that Jesus was? Who Jesus became? A great prophet? One of the greatest leaders who has ever lived? one of the most inspiring speakers, one of the most important movers in the religious circles. What child is this? What child is this to you? That is the question of Christmas Eve. We've already heard what the gospel writers had to say about it. Matthew and Luke, they, you heard the wonderful depictions. But on this Christmas Eve, I thought it would be fun to, to listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say about it. He actually wrote a good chunk of the New Testament and, uh, and so we're going to turn to what I think is some of the loftiest language ever used to describe this Jesus who was born on Christmas Eve. And we find it in Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter 1. I'm just going to recite it for you, and I would like to have you listen to this story. And as you do, as you do, I want you to listen for the he is's, okay? I want you to count the number of he is's. And every time you hear he is, remember, Paul is talking about Jesus. He's talking about the babe in the cradle, all right? So here's the word of God, the story that comes from Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were made by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. How many he is's did you count? Six. Six of them. So if we substitute Jesus for he is, we understand the what Paul is trying to say, and I think you'll agree with me that it is pretty majestic language about Jesus, isn't it? It says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, which is a way of saying he is the creator. This baby in the crib, the creator of all things. He is before, Jesus is before all things. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead, which is looking ahead to his resurrection on Easter. You see what I mean about the majestic language of this ancient song? Paul is saying, and you need to understand this, When we look at Jesus, when we look at the babe in that crib, we are looking at God, the great eternal creator of the universe, 
What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? This is Christ the King, Christ the Creator, Christ the Lord of all. That's who this child is. The breathtaking claim of Christmas, the really audacious claim that our faith makes and that every other faith rejects, frankly, is this, that in, when we look into the face of the child of Bethlehem, we are looking into the face of God himself. And at the end, after Paul has done all those he is, as he is, as he is, he sums it up with this magnificent, magnificent declaration. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased, God was delighted to have everything that made him God, God, he was pleased to have that fullness dwell in this child in Bethlehem. What child is this? This is God, the creator, God, the king, God, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, if this is true, and we are betting our lives that it is, If it is true that the eternal God took on human form, that the eternal God was born as a baby 2,000 years ago, then let me ask this. Where would you expect him to be born? Surely a, a child born to be king would be born where? In a palace, right? Isn't that where king children are born? In a palace? It's what the Magi thought, the wise men who came. They went to Herod's palace. Where else would a baby king be born than in the palace? But it turns out that Herod wasn't invited to the birthday party of this little king. Who were invited that night? Shepherds, shepherds, shepherds. Yeah, I hear you saying it. Be brave, it's okay. Shepherds, that's right. Which is... Another remarkable part of the story, you may not realize this because we think of shepherds, cute little sheep. Shepherds were the misfits of society. They were the outcasts of society. They were considered filthy. They were considered thieving. They were considered irreligious. On the the Jewish totem pole, social totem pole, there was only one group that was lower than the shepherds. Do you know who that was? Lepers. Yeah, lepers. Yeah, you you could be a shepherd, but the only thing worse than being a shepherd was to be a leper. Imagine that. But it is to these social outcasts that the angelic hosts appear, and they make this wonderful pronouncement of this good news of great joy. Today is born in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now run quickly and find him, and so that you know you've found the right baby, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you a sign. What was the sign that was given by the angels to the shepherds? It's, it's one of the grossest and weirdest signs ever. We don't think that, but it's just because we've kind of gotten dull to the story. It's go to Bethlehem and look for the baby that's wrapped in swaddling clothes, swaddling cloths and lying in this. Now, this is what we think, right? This is a manger, right? Cute, neat, tidy straw-filled, that's what a manger is like. That isn't what a manger is like. Do you know what a manger was? It was a feed trough. It was a feed trough for the cows and the sheep. They, they ate from it. Have you ever seen how snotty the nose of a cow can be? Right? Let's take a picture. There's an example. So that cow would stick that snotty nose into the manger and eat. 
And they weren't just munching on nice little bales of hay that they'd thrown in there. They didn't really have that. You know what they were eating? They were eating all of the refuse, all of the garbage that the human beings didn't want to eat. Everything they threw out, all of the rubbish, went into the manger for the animals to eat. We have a similar receptacle. We keep it outside of our garage. What do we call a manger? Yes, a garbage can. So let's bring out what is really a historically more accurate idea of what a manger should look like. Here it is. This is the garbage. This is garbage. The manger was not a nice, neat, little makeshift crib. The manger was a garbage can, the final stop for inedible and rotten and spoiled and worthless throwaways. This has been a a season of great joy for our staff. We've had three children born to staff members of our church. And among them, uh, a a son born to Pastor Larry and Pastor Megan. And uh, I was looking forward eagerly to the chance to go over and visit them. Now imagine if I knocked on the Hackman's door and Megan invited me in and she said, there you are, come on in, I want you to meet Reed. And she took me back into the kitchen and she walked, up to the sink and opened the door underneath the sink and there was Reed wrapped in a bath in a in a blanket lying in the garbage can. What would you think? Who would you call? CPS, right? Yes, we would. Here's the sign for you, the angels told the shepherds. The sign that you found the right baby in Bethlehem, you will find a baby lying in a garbage can. To cradle any baby in a trash can would be unthinkable, right? Unconscionable. But but if it's the baby king, the baby creator, the baby God who is Emmanuel with us, wouldn't that be outrageous? Wouldn't that be outrageous? How many have heard of dumpster diving? It's the person who climbs into the dumpster searching for the things that others have thrown away, things that might be salvaged, things that he still finds valuable, even if someone else has found them wasteful and worthless and discarded them. When we think about it, Christmas Eve is the celebration of a dumpster-diving God. A God who didn't choose to stay in heaven where it was clean and safe and perfect. A God who, when he came to be born as a man, didn't choose to be born in a beautiful palace, which was his due. Rather, a God who could be found in a garbage can. A dumpster-diving God who was ready to plunge in after that which others had written off and cast aside and declared useless or worthless. Isn't that wonderful? One of the great questions of every human heart, the great longings of every human heart is this one simply. Is God with us? If God is real, and 82% of Americans believe that God is real, then is he on our side? What difference does it make that he is real? Does he care for us? Is he with us? And you only need to look at the sign given to the shepherds that night in Bethlehem to understand the heart of God. He is not only for us, he is not only with us, he has dived right into the dumpster of our lives to reclaim and redeem and restore and renew and recycle that which 
the world is cast aside. Is God for us? Is God for us? I think of a I think of those in, in our church, someone in our church who is uh, fighting cancer right now, and they are taking chemo, and they have lost their hair, and they've lost their strength, and they have lost their hope, and they're wondering if God has forgotten them. And so you go dugging around in the garbage of that experience, and you find Jesus right there in the middle of the, of the mess of cancer and Treatments and chemo. Is God with us? I think of a a man who just buried his wife of 59 years. I talked to him after the service and I said, 59 years? That's a long time. And he said, not long enough. And so you'll go digging around in the dead flowers of the funeral service and you're surprised to find that Jesus is right there, right in the mess and the garbage of his paralyzing loneliness. Is God with us? I think of the several families in our church who have children who are not well. They are doing everything they can to get good medical care for them. They fill up Sharps collectors, this is one of theirs, with the used syringes from hundreds of painful shots, trying to get their boy better. And they do anything. They are exhausted in trying to care for their child, and they begin to wonder if their kid is forgotten. Forgotten by friends, forgotten by God. They begin to feel as if their prayers are bouncing off of the brass ceiling. And so you dig through the medical waste and you discover that there is Jesus in the midst of it, standing with them, striving with them, standing vigil with them through the garbage and pain of this struggle with their child. Is God with us? I think of a, of a woman in our church whose husband has abandoned her. When she made her wedding vows, she, she meant it when she said, till death do us part. But he grew tired of her and he found another. And so when you go through digging through the, the garbage of her broken marriage, You find a wedding certificate that has been crumpled and thrown aside because it represents all of these dreams that will never happen. All of it destroyed. Where is Jesus? Well, he's right there in the midst of it. For if anyone knows what it means to be abandoned, anyone knows what it means to be betrayed and forsaken, it is Jesus. I wish we lived in a world without cancer, without death, without illness, without betrayal or divorce or abandonment, but we don't. We live in a world that still stands in opposition to God and opposition to God's ways. 
a world that is quick to toss aside that which it deems unworthy and outdated and rotten. And we wonder where God is in all of this. We wonder whether God is with us at all. And then we lift up the lid of our dumpster and and we find Jesus right there, seeking, salvaging, and redeeming what the world considers to be cast off and worthless. I know what my garbage can holds. Candidly, right now, there are three things in my life that I find anxiety-producing and cause insecurity and, and frustration and are distracting. I find myself worrying about it. I find myself losing sleep as I think over these things. So candidly, just know that that's where your pastor is. How about you? If I flipped open the lid of your dumpster, what would we find? What part of your life feels like it's in the trash can? Here's what Christmas Eve reminds me of tonight. Whatever the mess of my life, whatever things produce anxiety or insecurity or insomnia or frustration or fear, when I look closer, I find that Jesus, the dumpster diving God, is already right there, right in the midst of my garbage. And he's saying, don't worry. I've got this. We are in this mess together. What child is this who laid to rest in Mary's lap is sleeping? This is Christ the King. This is Christ the Lord. This is Christ God, Emmanuel, a God who is with us. Very, very, very with us. Let us pray. Lord, I don't know who has a hard time believing that tonight. But I'm sure that there are many who need to believe the great promise of God, Emmanuel. God with us. Not high and lifted up, not far and distant, but here, now, loving us, walking with us, striving with us, standing with us. And so even as I tell real stories tonight, there are others out there for whom that echoes true. There are others who are fighting cancer, others who are fearful for their children, others who have lost a beloved this year, others who are losing their marriage and don't know if they're going to lose their mind in the process. Jesus, thank you that you did not stay apart from us, but you have dived right into the midst of our mess. Would you meet us tonight? Would you meet every one of us tonight? What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? This is Christ the King whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Amen.